if I had to preach one final sermon, I think that it would be on today's passage. If there was only one thing, and maybe this is for you, this is the only time you'll ever hear me preach, and you'll never listen to me again, I think that this would be the one that I would want you to hear the most. Because what John is going to tell us is some of the most beautiful words that have ever been written, in my opinion. And inside of these few 13 verses that we're going to read this morning, really kind of encompasses the whole Christian life. Just to kind of give you an idea of where we're going to go, there's kind of four things that John tells us. And again, if, if I was just going to preach one thing, I think it would be on this chunk of scripture. And it says this, that we're going to discover, John is going to show us that love is God's character, salvation is God's invitation, heaven is God's promise, and love is God's command. You can find these things for yourself in if you have a printed Bible and you want to follow along or if you have it on your phone, it's also going to be on the screen. But if you want to follow along, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4 and we're going to read verses 7 through 20. Some people ask me sometimes, Kyle, what translation do you use? I primarily use the New Living Translation. I've got all the translations, but I primarily use the, the New Living Translation. That's what we're going to hear out of this morning. But as we read this, I'm just going to read you the whole thing, and I want you to see if you can't pick out those four things, that love is God's character, salvation is God's invitation, heaven is God's promise, and love is God's command. Again, if you don't have a printed Bible or a Bible on your phone, no problem. Everything is going to be up here on the screen. But here is what John says. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us, or he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. If you've been with us in this series, what you'll discover in this little passage that we just read is kind of a review of everything that John has talked about so far. You can kind of think of 1 John as a, a spiral staircase that just gets smaller and smaller. It kind of travels around some of the same subjects and kind of brings them to a point. And here he's kind of emphasizing again 
I've already talked about these things, but I want to let you know, and I want to make sure that you get it down deep into you, what I've been trying to communicate, because your life is busy, the world is chaotic, you have a stressful life, and it's easy for us to forget these things. And so John really wants to drive it home. Love is God's character. Salvation is God's invitation. Heaven is God's promise. And love is God's command. So what I want to do in just our few little moments together is trying to break those all down again. If you've been here for this whole series, you're going to remember some of these ideas, but they're worth remembering again. And if you happen to have missed a few weeks, this is perfect because this really catches us up through the whole book. And so if you happen to be taking notes again, here's our first one. Love is God's character. Love is God's character. It says it in verse number 8. You can underline it if you want to in your Bible. But anyone who does not love does not know God. And then there's these important four words. For God is love. Now here's an important question that you owe it to yourself to find the answer to. When you think about God, what do you think about? When somebody says God to you, what thought pops into your mind? And that probably depends on the background or religious experience that you had growing up. For some people, when they think about God, it's angry, it's judgmental, it's out to get them. Hey, if I don't do better, then God is going to. And when we think about God, there's this tension of, man, he's kind of this angry dad that's pretty distant and not very interested, and he only shows up when I've screwed up. For some people, that's their view of God. But John says that God is love. And here's another important question for you. When you hear the name Jesus and when you hear the word God, do those two things create a tension for you? Uh, do you hear the name Jesus and have one feeling? And do you hear God and have a different? Another way to ask it is which one would you spend more time with? Which one would you want to spend the day with. And John says, if there is a tension in you when you hear God and when you hear Jesus, John is here to say, hey, I've come to resolve the tension. There should be no different emotion in you when you think about Jesus and when you think about God. Because Jesus came to illustrate and demonstrate what God is like. And so when we look at Jesus, we understand who God is. And John, who watched Jesus die, who took care of Jesus' mother, who was one of Jesus' closest friends at the end of his life, looked back and he realized, there's going to be people that think different things about God, but I want them to know right up at the front, and his character is that he is love. Love is not something that God does. It's not something that he extends extends. It's just who he is. God can't help but love. It is in his DNA. When Jesus was getting ready to die, and he was having his last meal with his disciples, and he was trying to give them all the things. He's trying to compress three years worth of teaching into one little dinner. He was giving in this extraordinary, extraordinary teaching. And John, same John, wrote it down for us. And John is uh, Jesus is talking, and Philip kind of asked Jesus, hey God, I, would you help us to see the Father? Jesus, we've seen you, and we've seen you raise people from the dead, and we've seen you do these miracles, but, but we still have this disconnect between what we see in you and what we see in God. And so Philip asked, if you'll just show us the Father, then that would be awesome. And Jesus said this way, don't you know me, Philip? 
Like, Philip, we, you've, we've spent three years together. Even after I've been with you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. There's this great author, a, a pastor by the name of Brian Zahn. He pastors in St. Joseph, Missouri, and he said it this way in his book, that God is like Jesus, that God has always been like Jesus, and there's never been a time when God hasn't been like Jesus. And so when you think of God from this moment forward, what I want you to remember, and more importantly, what John wants you to remember, is that the first thing and the first emotion that could come up for you is God is love. On, on, on your worst day, when you've screwed it up, when you've totally went your own way, and you think, man, what does God think about me? Here's what I want you to remember. God is love. On the day where you just say, God, I don't care what you're saying. I don't care what you want me to do. I'm off to college and I'm going to do my own thing. Here's what I want you to remember. God is love. He cannot help himself. He cannot do anything but love you. There has never been a time in your life when God hasn't loved you. And I don't want there to be any conjuring up different emotions between Jesus and God because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And God is, he's love. This is the way the Apostle Paul put it in, in Ephesians. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. God is love. In other words, I think what John and Jesus and the Apostle Paul and all of the New Testament writers would let us know is whatever picture you have of God, it's not good enough. God is so much better than anything that we could imagine and anything that we think. But when you think of God, I want you to think on every moment of every day. I, God is love. God loves me. And there are different aspects to his, to his character. God is also a judge, but his character is love. God is king, but his character as a king is to be one of love. It is the building block of everything else, as we're going to see, that matters in the Christian faith. That if God is not love, then nothing else in the Christian faith matters. That everything else in the Christian faith gets twisted if God is something other than love. And so if you fall asleep for the rest of the message, if you lose your internet connection or just get bored, and if you forget everything else we talked about this morning, here's what I want you to go home with. God is love. God is love. God is love. And the person that watched Jesus die and the person that saw the most horrendous things we could even imagine happen to his closest friends, he wrote down right before he died, I want people to remember in Oakley, Kansas, on July 9th, 2023, when they think of God, God is love. So love is God's character, and here's the, the second one, that salvation is God's invitation. That because God loved us, he follows that up with, I love you enough to invite you to be with me. Here's what it says, and this is verse number 10 and verse number 14. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Verse number 14, skipping down, furthermore. We have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son, why? To be the Savior 
of the world. God took this extraordinary, extraordinary risk of announcing forgiveness in advance. That Paul would say that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And because God is love and we are sinful, God had to realize there is a gap between me and, human and humanity, and salvation is the thing that closes it. Salvation is the thing that closes the gap. Here's where I am and the thoughts that I think and the words that I say and the actions I take, and I know that sometimes they are anti-Christ. Sometimes they are different than what God wants. We call it sin. We don't want to think of ourselves as sinners. We like to think of ourselves as mistakers or, oops, I didn't really mean to, but Scripture says it's, it's just sin. It's just saying I, I know what to do. I just don't care. And because... Because God is love, he recognized that there was a gap that we could not cross on our own. That it is impossible for me, no matter how hard I try, it's impossible for you, and for some of you this is just a reminder, for some of you this is brand new information. It's impossible for me to get to God on my own. It doesn't matter how many good things I try. It doesn't matter how good of a behavior I am. The gap is yours. Imagine this, that you're on one side of the Grand Canyon, and God is on the other. Now, you can't leap over that. The, the chasm is too big. Now, some of you can get further than others. Some of you are just athletes, and you can jump really, 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 really far, but you still can't get to the other side. And some of us are not good athletes. Some of us, when we get to the edge, we just hit the loose rock, and we slip down the ravine. We, there, it's just impossible. We can't do it. And so God said... I'll solve the problem for you. I will fix what you can't fix. I will pay what you can't pay. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you had a debt that you were unable to pay, that you owed something that you were able to pay? When I was 21, 22 years old, I went to visit a friend in Minnesota. And like all young 21 and 22-year-old young men, I, I didn't balance a checkbook because who could be bothered by such a thing? Turns out I'm 41, still don't, balance a checkbook because who could be bothered with such a thing? Um, I've got another story about that later. But I, I was spending some days in, in Minnesota, and I didn't really think about it. I was just swiping my debit card, just buying things. And all of a sudden, I went to the gas station and swiped the, the debit card, and it said, you've been there. Card declined. And I thought to myself, huh. And so I, I swiped it again, Card declined, and your boy was in a pickle. Your boy was in a pickle because we were a long ways from home. We were on an empty gas tank, and, you know, we, we figured it out. We borrowed some money. We did the thing. I just had this debt, and then I really had a debt when I got to the bank and saw all these overdraft charges. I didn't realize, I didn't realize until this moment that by overdrafting on like a pack of gum, it was gonna cost me $30. And then by overdrafting on a Snickers bar, another. So I was hundreds of dollars in debt with the bank. It was a whole mess. I, I did what, what we do. We, I had this debt. And I was here and I was trying to get there no matter how hard I swiped, no matter what I tried, no matter if I declined, declined, declined. I had to have somebody pay what I couldn't pay. Salvation is God's invitation. That you are separated, just like I am separated from God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But because God is love, he invites us. Let me, let me solve your problem for you. Let me pay your debt 
for you. And the wonderful thing about salvation is salvation doesn't make us a better version of us. It makes us new. It's not just the old Kyle a little bit better. It's not just the old person that maybe thinks and talks a little bit different. No, it's a, I'm brand new. Jesus said, man, how do I get into the kingdom of heaven? Well, you have to be born Again, Scripture would say that we've been given a, a new heart, that that old sinful heart of stone gets taken out and a new heart is given to us. And that's what God's invitation is. It's not a better version of you, but a new version of you, a saved version of you. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. This means that anyone, so you're included in this, because God is love. Don't forget that first part. Because God is love, you can belong to Christ. That's the invitation, that you are invited to step over the line of faith, and if you do that, you've not just become, you're not a better version, you're a new version. It's a, it's a new you. The, become a new person, that old life is gone. Now, sometimes it tries to creep up and rear its ugly head, but that's not you anymore. The old is dead. A new life has begun. Why? Well, all of it is, you know that next slide for me, Keith? All of this is, it's just a gift. That it, it wasn't up to me to try to leap across the ravine. It wasn't up to me to try to swipe the card. Just, the only way I could do that is a gift from somebody else. I've got to pay, Here, here's a gift. That's what salvation is. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. So great news for you. Love is just who God is. And because love is who God is, salvation is extended to you. And it doesn't matter what your life has looked like up to this point. It doesn't matter how much of a wreck your life has been or how many failures you've had and what other people have said. That salvation is extended to you. And because salvation is extended to you, heaven is God's promise. It love is God's character. Salvation is is God's invitation, and heaven is God's promise because here's what's true for all of us. We're all in the same boat. We're, we're not going to be on this earth forever. That one of these days, we're gonna breathe our, our final breath, and that's gonna be it. And if what scripture says is true, then this is just, this is like a, a layover in our real life. Our, our real life is coming, and this is just kind of, i just waiting to get there. And because God is love, and God has invited us to salvation, when we accept that invitation, heaven is God's promise someday, one day. Let me show it to you in verses number 9 and 17. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world. Why? So that we might have eternal life through him. Why did Jesus come? To extend salvation and when we accept that, that we can have eternal life through him, skip down to verse number 17. And as we live in God, as we do this day in and day out, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. And so we will not be afraid. When I breathe my last here, I don't have to be afraid on the day of judgment. I can, I can face God with confidence, not because I was a good church attender, 
Not because I memorized lots of Bible verses. Not because I sang beautiful songs. No, I can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. The greatest illustration of this was Jesus and the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross had no time to make amends. The thief on the cross had no opportunity to apologize. He had no opportunity to attend a church service or to get baptized or to do anything right. He was minutes from death. And what did Jesus say? Today... You're going to be with me in paradise. It's just my promise to those who accept the invitation of God's salvation. And one of these days, it might be today, it might be tomorrow, none of us know the time, but one of these days, Jesus is going to whisper to those of us who have accepted his invitation of salvation, today you're coming with me. Today you're going to be with me in paradise. And I don't know when that today is going to come, but I just know because of life that day does come, and Jesus knows. Jesus knows exactly the day that he's going to say to Kyle, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And it will be a painful day for those that are left behind, and it will be the greatest day that I've ever experienced. That there's never been a person that has gotten into heaven because of the salvation of Jesus that has ever been sad they got there. We are devastated here on this earth. When my father passed away, devastated, my dad had never been happier. The person that you love the most, that you lost, if they accepted the invitation of Jesus, you were devastated, you were broken, that person was not. They, 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 they'd never been better. They'd never been happier because Jesus said to them, today, you're gonna be with me in paradise. Peter would say it this way, all praise to God, the Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy. It's his love. It's his mercy. It's his grace that we've been saved, born again. Mercy, salvation. Why? Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, heaven is God's promise. We live with great expectation, and we have a priceless, can you go to that next slide? And we have a priceless inheritance. That's what heaven is. It's, it's waiting for us. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Heaven is God's promise that one of these days, life on this earth is going to be over. And Scripture says what Jesus pointed to, what the apostles affirmed, is that we have a decision to make, is that it's life with God or life apart from God, heaven and hell. And we are invited to salvation. And because I'm invited to salvation, I can receive the promise of heaven in the future. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to wonder. Even on this earth, I don't have to wonder, do my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds? Have I done more good things than I've done bad things? I don't know. I'm just really trying, and I hope that when I get to the gates that he'll let me in because I've just eked in. No, no, no. Stop that. Stop that. God is love. And because God is love, God has invited you to be saved. To cross that divide is impossible for me, but it's totally possible with God. And so he gives me a new life, and that new life is a promise. Mark it in stone. Heaven's on its way. And today, tomorrow, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, I'm going to be with Jesus in paradise, and it will be the greatest thing that's ever happened. And then... All of this has been from God, and then he turns it around on us. You've received my love. You've received my salvation. One of these days you're going to receive heaven, but until that day comes, love 
is God's command. Just brings it full circle. That you've been given God's love. That's because that's who he is. He can't help himself. And you have accepted his salvation. It was just a gift. It wasn't of yourself, lest any person should boast, is what Paul said. And because you've accepted that, I've prepared a place for you. It's going to be the greatest thing. We can't even fathom it. But until you get there, until you get there, my expectation for you is to love. My expectation is for you to pour out on people what I have poured out on you. Here's what verse number 7 and then verses 19 and 20 says. Dear friends, let us continue to what? Not just continue to go to church, but thank you for coming. I mean, please, please keep coming. But that's not, the, that's not the litmus test. Let's continue to horizontally love one another. Some Christians get this so backwards. And they just think, well, Christianity and spirituality is just vertical. It's just me and God and you know, just, I'm just praying, and I'm just singing, and I'm just reading the Word, and I'm memorizing the Scriptures, and I'm just, it's just me and God, and I'm just hanging on for dear life, waiting for heaven someday. No, 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 come on. God has loved you, and so we love other people. Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves, active, puts it into practice, is a child of God and knows God. Let's skip down to verse number 19 and 20. We love each other. Not because we like each other necessarily. Not because we, we have the same viewpoint. Not because we kind of see the world through the same le- set of lenses. No, we love each other because it goes back to point number one. God is love because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, I'm singing the songs, I'm doing all the right things, I'm highlighting the verses, and my Bible is just so, so tattered and torn because I read it so much. If, if I say I love God, but if I hate other Christians, well, that person is a liar. For we don't love people we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? And so the best thing, the, the best way that I can maybe try to illustrated is, is this, is that, that you, this, is, this is us, this is you and me, or just this, this water, what do they call this? What do they call it, a watering can? Watering can, we'll call it a watering can. And there's this God. P.S., this is how much water you're supposed to drink every day. So, no chance. Um, so this is, this is God, and this is me, and I just have received the invitation of salvation. That God, I, I believe that God is love. And here's what God does. He pours his love into me. I have been loved by God. And it's not because I'm just a great water can. It's not because I, this water can just prayed uh, and, and said, God, help me do all the right things in all the right ways. And he just lived so good. The reason that this water can is full of water is because water was was poured into it. The watering can didn't create the water. It just, it just received the water. Now, what is the purpose of this can? It's not to just stay full and be happy. It's not just, to, hey, I'm full. I'm in great shape. Look at everybody else. You see me? Look how full I am. I'm awesome. I'm in great shape, and heaven's coming for me someday. If you just have a watering can full of water that doesn't do anything, is this the most worthless piece of plastic you've ever seen? It's just worthless because, because this watering can isn't doing anything for anybody. It's just holding on to water. And that's what Christians do. 
When we don't love other people, when I have received God is love and I've accepted his invitation of salvation and I've got a promise of heaven, but if I just get all of that inside of me and never do anything with it, am I the most worthless thing or what? It's just I'm not doing anything. And so what God's invitation to Christians is, is I want you to not conjure up love. It's not your job to make this love happen, but I want you to receive it, and then I want you to go out into the world. I want you to go into church. I want you to go into the workplace, and I want you to pour out this love onto other people, that your life and my life can refresh the lives of other people. There's no way that this watering can does any plants any good if it's just full of water. In order for this watering can to fulfill its purpose, it has to go up to a plant and say, I've got something that you need. I have some things that will refresh you. I have something that will encourage you, and so I'm going to pour out. Not because I've created all of this love, not because I've just been such a good attender that love has filled me. No, I'm receiving it. I've received the love, and I'm going to give the love. And stagnant, Never moving water, boy, that's, that's gross water, right? You, you ever, you know, a stock tank that never gets refilled or a pool that, that never gets cleaned out and that water just sits there? It doesn't take very long for that water to get real, real, real gross. How does water stay fresh and how does water stay good to drink? There's got to be movement. There's got to be new water coming in. There's got to be old water going out. Stagnant water doesn't refresh anything. Stagnant Christians don't either. That stagnant, just I'm just receiving love and I'm not giving it any, any, to anybody else. Well, that's, that's, we've missed out on what God has called us to do. God is love and he has poured his love out onto us when we receive his salvation. And someday we're going to be in heaven and love is just going to be, I mean, there's no such thing as anything unloving in heaven. But just here on this earth, I've got to decide, because I have been poured into, I'm going to pour out. No, nobody's refreshed by me attending a church service, singing some songs, going home, and living my own life. I, I need to be refreshing other people. And so if I was to kind of show it to you in a, in a picture, I, I would say that this is it's kind of like this pyramid is that at, at the base is love, and I don't know if you can read this or not, but at the base is, is love is God's character. And then it goes up. Salvation is God's invitation. Heaven is God's promise. Love is God's command. But this one, love is God's character. That, if we remove that, the rest of this topples. If we remove the base of the pyramid, the rest of it doesn't work. That's why it is so, so important that you capture and plant yourself into God is love. Because if God is not love, then salvation just becomes, hey, try really hard. If God isn't love, salvation just becomes, well, hope for the best. And try really hard and grit your teeth and kind of clench your fist and, and, and really try to be a good person and heaven as a promise, it doesn't become a promise anymore. If God is in love, heaven just becomes, well, I guess we'll just see when we get there. 
Without God's love, heaven just becomes, I'm just kind of on these scales, and, and I think that I'm good enough, but I'm not sure. And I know that I'm better than some people, but I know I'm not as good as others, and so there's this uncertainty, and then there's fear. But if God is love, then heaven is God's promise. And if God isn't love, then then loving other people, well, it just depends on how they treat me. If, if God isn't love, then I'll love the people that love me, and I'll treat well the people that treat me well, and if you scratch my back, then I'll scratch your back, but if God isn't love, if, if, if you treat me bad, then the same's coming back to you, and if you slap me in the face, get ready, because a punch is coming your way, but if God is love, then I love other people based on who God is, not what the other people do. God is love. And so salvation is his invitation. And heaven is his promise. And love is his command. At the very beginning of this series, we talked about the now that, so that, that we can get it so confused. And we oftentimes live in the life that says, so that God will love me, I'm gonna do some things. And so that God will be pleased with me. But we said, no, what, what, what John has invited us to do is to live now that, now that God is love, now that God has done something on my behalf, now that God has announced salvation in advance, it just propels me. And so let me close with this one idea. Now that God has loved me, you can put your name in there. Now that God has loved you, not because of you, but because of him, it's just in his character. I can receive his salvation, that should be his I have a home waiting for me in heaven, and I can pour out on his love on those around me. Now that, now that, God is love. Have you ever stepped into the love of God? Have you ever moved away from God as just this old, white-bearded person on a chair, just distant and absent and uninterested and only shows up to strike you down when you're bad? It's a terrible view of God. And no wonder you would have left the church. No wonder you would have kind of removed yourself from faith and Christianity if that was your view of God. I, if I had the same thing that happened to you happened to me, I'd done the same thing. Because that's, that's not a God that I really want to serve. That's not a, a God that I really want to have a, a connection with. The God that I want to have a connection with is the God that, that John described. That he's just love. He cannot help himself. He loves you. And whether you ever love him or not, he loves you. Well, I hate God. Okay, God loves you. Well, I don't care what God tells me to do. That's fine. God loves you. Well, I'm going to run as far away as I can from God. That's okay. God loves you. He can't help himself. It's just who he is. And because it's who he is, he offers me and you and the thief on the cross and the person that you hate the most salvation. And he promises, if we receive that salvation, there's going to become a time today, you're going to be with me in paradise. But until that day comes, make sure that you're refreshing others. Make sure that you're pouring out that love onto the people in your life. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love that it's just inside of you. It is in your DNA. There has never been a nanosecond when you have not been loved. There's never been a moment of our life that we have not been loved by you. 
And so, Lord, I'm praying for those in the room, those watching online, that if they have yet to step across the line of faith, if they've yet to accept that invitation of salvation, that today would be the day that they would say, I'm going to receive the gift that you have given to me. I'm going to accept the price that you paid as sufficient for my salvation. Thank you so much that one of these days, heaven is waiting for us. And we don't have to be in fear of that. We don't have to be worried about our final moments here on this earth because we know that when our life here on earth is over, our real life, our best life, the life that we've always wanted is waiting for us. But in the meantime, help us to not be stagnant Christians. Help us to not just be a receiver and not a giver. That we would have our eyes open this week to refresh and to encourage and to love the people that are around us because you loved us first. It's in your name that we pray, amen.